Hello, I'm Mark Griffiths from Wrexham AFC, and welcome to North Carolina, is what people in North Carolina say, because apparently they're really friendly and welcoming. I'm in Wrexham, though, and I'm going to give you a quick lowdown on the TST, the soccer tournament, because there's, there's a lot of interest, obviously, coming in from around the world from a Wrexham perspective, because we have a team in it, the Wrexham Red Dragons, full of some interestingly familiar faces for a lot of us, but not for everybody. So, what I'm going to do today is, is quickly put it into a bit of context. Secondly, talk about the Wrexham squad and the players who are in it, some of whom will be familiar to us, some of whom aren't. And then, after doing that, have a little look at what sort of players we're up against and, and try to give a realistic picture of it. Although, to start off by talking about giving the whole tournament context, I have to give a massive, massive warning all of what I say about the players, apart from the facts, could be nonsense. Why? Well, I mean, this isn't as such a professional tournament, even though there are a lot of very high-caliber players in it, and the stakes are extremely high. So please, everyone, bear in mind that an awful lot of these players are, well, that's what they call them, legends players. They are not professionals anymore. You will find the level at which they've looked after themselves may vary enormously. So, you know, you can make judgments on how good a player is, but you don't know how good they are now, just what they were like in their career. So, likewise, there's lots of unknown players, but having good legs might be more useful than being somebody who is trying to remember what they did so well 15 years ago. So, so everything's got to be taken with a huge pinch of salt. And also, seven aside is not 11 aside, um, as you'll hear in a moment. But anyway, here goes. This seven aside tournament, well, the, the stated aim of the organisers is to make it the world's number one seven aside tournament. And I think that's setting the bar fairly low. I'm struggling to name any other seven aside tournaments, but that's not meant to be disparaging. I think it's great that somebody's going out there and trying to do something different. I mean, to put this in a British perspective first, I suppose, the traditional football view of this sort of thing would be, oh, it's just nonsense, it's just silly, it's just a bit of fun. There's some truth to that. I wouldn't deny it. Um, it it's not as if this is new. I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, they used to have five-a-side tournaments, particularly the London teams. They used to pick their full-strength sides and play five-a-side, which is, well, a step beyond what we're going to be seeing in the TST because there are very strict rules that the ball can't go overhead height, things like that. You can't go into the penalty area at any time unless you're a goalkeeper. The goalkeeper can't leave the penalty area at any time. So that, those were always quite good fun. They used to be on... Uh, sports night, which was a big midweek sports show in those days. Other things have, have, have sort of revitalised it a bit. Uh, you know, the Soccer Sixes was a popular tournament that used to be shown on Sky. Uh, so there have been, you know, quite a few of these sort of legend-style competitions, and, and they are good fun and, and usually entertaining football. Um, I think people have got to recognise, though, if you've got that old-fashioned mindset, which is mine or was my default position, things are changing. And if you're a Wrexham fan, I think it's wise to really embrace this sort of stuff because it's part of what's making a takeover work, isn't it? As I've said before, the takeovers are about... It's about fame, celebrity and popularity being turned into currency. And it's something which Rob and Ryan have done remarkably well. And this is part of it. I mean, if you look at the build-up to this tournament, 
okay, I think Wrexham are smart in that we were one of the earlier teams to actually announce we were sending a side over. But we have been very prominent in the publicity for the tournaments. Now, obviously, that's partly because the tournament know that Wrexham are big news uh, internationally now after Welcome to Wrexham. So, yeah, they capitalise upon that. But it's also good for us because we've got an awful lot more worldwide coverage uh, because we jumped in early. Um, we are featured really prominently on the tournament's website. In fact, they've got a little logo which shows... Well, I mean, clearly it's near the top of the homepage, so it's clearly trying to draw people in. And it's got five teams' logos, just to say, look at this as a serious competition. Wrexham's is the first. You know, Wolves, West Ham, Borussia, Dortmund, they come later. I think that says everything about how this sort of tournaments, this sort of publicity, and it's valuable publicity for Wrexham in the way we're running our business, is predicated to a great extent on a different pecking order to what traditional football fans are used to. We are high profile and therefore we are well known and therefore we represent something valuable for the tournament holders or organisers and that rebounds back for us. So it's mutually beneficial. It's different from what we're used to if we're traditional football fans and it's time to embrace it, I think, to be perfectly honest. So this tournament... Seven aside teams, you can have a roster of players, a squad of players, up to, I think it was 34. Wrexham haven't taken advantage of that. Flicking through the squads, I think only one team has. But, yes, you can have a huge amount of players. Two halves of 20 minutes each, which for me feels a little long. That's quite interesting to me. Um, these short-sided games often are quite small pitches, quite intense, and a little shorter than that. And I just wonder what influence that might have, especially, as I said earlier, about players who maybe haven't got enough energy. Although there are unlimited roll-on, roll-off substitutions, so you can swap players over whenever you want, bring them back on whenever you want, so you can give players a rest. Um, <clears throat> having seen a bit of the first match, yeah, the pitch is a bit bigger than that as well, and in some ways enabled sides to sit off a bit, and, and, and the pace was a little slower than perhaps I expected. But anyway, getting back to that, the whole format of it, let's see how the style of play pans out of the next three days. The format, 20 minutes halves, but that's not the end of the game. And this is, well, it could be great fun in some games, depends on how well balanced they are. At the final whistle, you're then going to have the, the deciding portion of the match. And basically, the team that's leading, the amount of goals they've scored, plus one, is what you need to win the game. So let me take you an, an example. Uh, Wrexham beat Como 2-1. And then in this final period, the first team to three actually gets the win. So the first two periods are jostling for position. Not to say they're not important. If you're 7-0 down, you're going to have to score eight goals without conceding any. Seems a bit of an ask. But and that period can go on as long as it wants. But to make sure it doesn't go on forever and teams just sit off on a negative, because you can imagine, can't you? Teams thinking, right, we're letting the goal now, we're out, and just not committing players forwards. You have you lose a player is it every 10 minutes or five minutes and five minutes it must be so at a set point both sides have to take a player off and not replace them and it'll go to six against six then five against five and so on and so forth that could get interesting but it'll open up some space the goals will have to happen won't it um so yeah that's an interesting concept isn't it there's no throw-ins everything's kicked in goalkeepers can't just thump it down the pitch the, if they kick it, it has to either be rolling to them or 
They have to, it has to bounce twice. If they throw it, they can't throw it into the other side's half. Lots of little things like that, which will be familiar, I'm sure, as you watch it. But it sounds like a bit of fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's hope they do well. And let's see, in a bit more depth, the players that are going to play for Wrexham then. So, <clears throat> firstly, okay, let, let, let's start off with the one that everybody's got very excited about. Lee Trundle will be playing up front for Wrexham. So maybe parts of this will be more to familiarise people whose support of Wrexham don't go back that far. But there are also some people that people like me are not familiar with, so bear with me. Um, Lee Trundle, legend at the club, uh, was brought in in 2001 and made an amazing impact seven goals in his first 10 games for Wrexham it was it was in the second half of the season he was brought in it was a bit of a struggling Wrexham side but he had panache skill charisma flair all those fancy words wonderfully gifted player fantastic left foot loves tricks uh sort of player that you think in these sort of tournaments would be great for receiving the ball in a little tight area pulling off a crafty trick which would uh, open up a bit of space for him and then smashing the ball home. A really gifted footballer. There's lots more you could say about him. There's a fantastic interview with him in one of the early feelers in Devotion podcasts that's well worth listening to. Um, he scored plenty of goals for us, though ironically his greatest season was his last season for us, the 2002-03 season. We were promoted from League 2 and it was a season in which he adapted his game rather and became a foil for Andy Morrell, get to him later, rather than the out-and-out -out striker while Morrell was one banging the goals in, but a supremely gifted footballer who went on to play for a number of English teams and show real quality. And he's still playing, even though, you know, he's, he's no spring chicken anymore. Like I say, that glorious season for Wrexham was 20 years ago. He went to Welsh League football. Now, that's not as taxing, but he still is playing for Ammonford. Not in the top level of Welsh football, but, you know, hopefully that means he's still got something about him. <clears throat> Another real club legend, Mark Carrington, playing for Wrexham, having left two years ago to go to Kidderminster. Played for us for eight years, brought in by Andy Morrell on trial. Morrell, I think, could see he was better than the level of players that would normally be in the National League. But at that time, clubs were tightening their belts financially. Carrington had been released. He wanted to stay in the Football League. He didn't want to come to us, but Morrell played it very cutely. He basically brought him in on trial and said, look, get your match yourself fit, match fit now, pre-season, and if you are able to... Uh, Get yourself a move in a football league club. We're not going to stand in your way. We can't stand in your way. And you're in the shop window with Wrexham as well. But anyway, nobody did come in for him. He signed for us and he stayed, as I said, with us for eight years. A magnificent servant to the club. He played 274 games for us. That's a lot. Player of the season in his first season. Ostensibly a winger, but played most of his... A midfielder, rather. But played most of his time at, at fullback for Wrexham, including throughout that season and very versatile player who could play all across in lots of different types of position. In his second season, he scores the winner of the Steve Davis Goal of the Season trophy. Wow, a glorious header at Stoke City, which put us ahead in the FA Cup. We were so close to pulling off a tremendous upset. So a, a great servant for the club. Um, and we're not for the fact that his last year and a half of this sort of blighted by injuries. I think Wrexham may well have kept hold of him when Phil Parkson came in because he's a, a very strong character in the changing room, a real leader. So a fine player for Wrexham, Mark Harrington. Moving on. Paul Rutherford falls into the same sort of category as Carrington. 
a player who arrived a couple of years later. Terrific work rate, full of heart, mostly played for us as a winger, but also played in centre and midfield. Non-stop player and a genuine guy who you know really poured his heart and soul into the club in the five years he was with us. Those of you who watch Welcome to Wrexham may recognise him. He was the player in tears in the changing room on the final day of the season when Wrexham lost at Dagenham and just missed out on the playoffs. And he was heartbroken because he'd come on as a substitute in what he knew was going to be his last Wrexham appearance and got sent off and felt he'd let the team down. I mean, bless him. A smashing competitor. A wholehearted player. Didn't score many goals despite his attacking position. They tended to be beauties though. One in his second ever game for us at Geisley. A injury time curling winner to get a 3-2 victory. Wow. But one of the most liked Wrexham players of recent years. Dave Jones is the player manager. <clears throat> and he's still at the club of course. Now Jones is, I mean he's in his late 30s now. He's played five goals for Wrexham. The one goal he scored, of course, was remarkable. On his debut, the first day of the season before last, that's Solly Hull. The most remarkable strike. Not known as a goal scorer, but goodness me, it's one of the best goals Wrexham has scored in recent years. Um, he had, he has terrific pedigree, came through the Man United youth system, played for Man United, but then uh, moved on to another big, other big clubs such as Wolves, Burnley. He had injuries increasingly in his 30s and when he came to us he actually hadn't played at all I had a club the season before he came to us and Wrexham I think were fully aware that they were bringing in somebody who probably wouldn't have many games in him but could bring experience when needed and would be useful behind the scenes and indeed he's part of the coaching staff he's manager of the reserve side as well a uh, player with real pedigree and he could be very useful because he's so confident on the ball in this sort of football he could be very handy indeed of course, Mark Howard surely needs no introduction. Current Wrexham goalkeeper. Played 39 games last season, 20, 12 clean sheets and won the league with us. So I don't think there's that much introduction we need to give to him, really, is there? Lewis Lloyd maybe needs to. He was brought in last season, played in the reserves, a young striker who started off with us. I think he comes from up the North Wales coast, then moved on to Shrewsbury, came back to us. We did actually release him in the summer, but nonetheless, he's come to play in the squad and put himself in the shop window. Andy Morrell, a genuine bona fide all-time legend of the club. Played for us in two spells, so let's break those down first. He came to us in 1998 as a very energetic striker, He's what, 24, 25, so quite late to move into professional football, but because he'd stayed in college done his studies, played local football and eventually was spotted. At first, he seemed to be an extremely energetic sort of second striker who would do an awful lot of work for the main striker. But then in 2002-03, his great breakthrough year, or before then in the Welsh Premier Cup, he was phenomenal goal scorer against lower level opposition and in the reserves. But 2-3, he got finally got a proper run in the team and was remarkable. Scored the most goals any player scored in the country that year. Wrexham got promoted. He was utterly phenomenal. He moved on, played for Coventry, played for Blackpool, but handled himself with good grace all the way through. A really classy character. Made good impressions at those clubs too. And then came back to play for us in the National League as a veteran in 2010. And again, was consistent, made impacts. And at the start of his second season, suddenly found himself thrown in as player-manager after Dean Saunders left, somewhat surprisingly. He did a superb job. We finished the season on 98 points. 
and cruelly lost in the playoffs. And, well, that was the record in British football for the most points in a season in any level without getting promoted until poor old Notts... Oh, no, Notts County did get promoted. Hang on. It's still the record. Woohoo, I think. I think. Anyway, so yeah, Morel, an outstanding manager for us. We won the FA Trophy with him playing and managing and a, a truly fine player. 270 games, a lot of which were off the bench in his early days. 96 goals. His seventh top scorer in Wrexham's history. Morel, a proper legend. And I've got to say, he's kept himself in trim. <laughs> he should be interesting in these games. Scott Butler's an interesting one. Like Howard, a current Wrexham player. Now, he came in during last season. He's you know, a highly rated youth player. He's been with Swansea. He played one first-team game for Wrexham. Played very well as well at the, in the FA Trophy at Altrincham. Skipper of the reserve team. Everybody who's been to see the reserves and coaches within the club are really happy with him and want to see how well he can develop. So he's an interesting one for the future for Wrexham. It'd be quite nice to see him getting some game time in this just to be part of the Wrexham family. Dan Jarvis. Well, Jarvis might be familiar to you as Welcome to Wrexham. He's one of the guys playing on his console in the shared house that Wrexham had for players. Now, he was brought in by Dean Keats and made a superb early impression. He was from Stoke, young, talented player, which Keats had tracked for quite a bit. And when he brought him in, we played a box midfield of him and Davis Keeler Dunn on the other side, another gifted young player, and they combined beautifully, and you really felt we might have the beginnings of something. But Keeler Dunn, despite apparently agreeing verbally to stay, then didn't stay, and I think Jarvis missed him a little bit, if I'm honest. Injuries didn't help him either, but a very gifted player. He scored a memorable goal at Notts County in the FA Trophy when we won there in the year that we got to the final. Let's not talk about that final, eh? But a, a very, very talented player. A really skillful needs player in tight areas. He left Wrexham. We offered him a contract last summer. He left us and went to Gateshead. That move hasn't worked out very well for him, sadly. But he's a very talented footballer. And like I say, still a current player. So he should be a, a very useful weapon for us in the tournament. So... <clears throat> the Wrexham squad, there are other players as well. And these are ones that the Wrexham fans may not be so familiar with too. Dan Jones, he is an interesting one. These players have got no links to Wrexham at all. Um, please, well, before I begin, don't start looking at these names and thinking, oh, so that's who we're going to sign in the summer. I do not think that at all for any of them. Um, some of them, their careers interlap with Dave Jones's career. Uh, so I think it's more friends within football that Wrexham have been able to call in. Dan Jones is an interesting one because he's currently a League Two player for Port Vale. He played 20-odd games last season. He's played a lot for Barrow. He was in the National League team of the season about three years ago. And he also went up when Barrow went up. So he's a good, solid, defensive, current player. Um, again, don't get excited that we're going to poach him. He's just signed a three-year contract to Port Vale. So, you know, you're sniffing up the wrong tree if you're even barking up it. I don't care what you do to that tree, as long as you realise it's pointless, because these players are not going to sign for us. Um, Philip Mirkovic is a college footballer, but now he is where the American fans have an advantage over the Wrexham fans. Um, college football, of course, is, is much more serious in the States, a college sport in general, than in Britain. So we have two college players, him and Nico Cavallo, and they are both players who have you know, done D1 
decently young lads who've done well in college football. And it'll be interesting to see just how they settle into it. One of them is in a local university, Richmond. And you know, we'll see how they do. Scott Butler, I've talked about. Liam Grimshaw is a Man United youth player who's didn't make it that much in England, but then went to Scotland. And last season he was playing in the Championship in Scotland, the second level for Morton, the three seasons before in the top Scottish level. So a current player as well. So he should be very useful. Um, George Boyd, right. When I saw his name, my jaw dropped. I mean, he's at the, the late stage of his career now. But boys, when we were in the football league, was a, a constant tormentor of Wrexham. Um, he he has been at a club, I think it was Burnley, the same time as Dave Jones. So that may well be where the, the link is. Uh, uh, but Boyd was a, a consistent goal scorer, a really high quality striker. I remember most for Peterborough, but he did go up to higher divisions as well than that. Now, you know, I mean, he's knocking on a bit now, but he's a player of genuine quality. So I'm interested to see exactly what he can do. You look at that squad, and like I said, I refer you back to what I said at the start. What do I know? I don't know what their current states are, but you know, you've got players like Carrington, Rutherford, and Morrell who would run all day for you. Uh, you've certainly got goal power if you take it on paper. Morrell, Trundle, Boyd are all players that you would expect to be banging goals in. Um, so if they are able to perform and get the ball to them, could be fun. Uh, <laughs> just looking briefly at the rest of the, the tournaments as well, um, and I'm going to be cautious with this, but Wrexham have got a team of three. A group of three, beg your pardon. The top two will go through. Again, it's impossible to judge relative strengths, isn't it? But I can state bold facts. Um, one of them is a women's US national women's team veteran side. Um, there's a lot of really high quality you know, US internationals in that side. But their age range is really wide. So you've got quite a lot of players who are of, of an older vintage than Boyd and Trundle. So, again, that would be the question about them. Certainly in terms of quality, they've got some very, very good players, high-profile players. We're also playing the Say Word team, which is a, a college team, it would seem, uh, but not that... You know, like I said, I mean something rather different to playing a college team in Britain. So they're a bit of an unknown. And then Como. Uh, Como, on a similar journey to us in some ways, Italian side, not, not a you know well-established big Italian side, but they're currently in the second division in Italy. Um, they were bought up, of course, by Cesc Fabregas, one of the best players in the world over the last decade and a bet, played for Arsenal, Chelsea, Barcelona, genuinely superb quality midfield player. I really remember clearly the first time I saw him play for Arsenal as a teenager. They poached him from Barcelona's youth system and then Barcelona bought him back for millions. And I just remember seeing him and thinking, whoa, that, that just the smoothness which he glides around the pitch. He was such a class act. Wow, what a player. Um, he only played 17 games last season for Como, so I assume he is winding down his career, but the sort of thing he could boss, potentially. The Como team, an awful lot of them are their backup players, or sort of older, if you will, youth players. Um, so there's not a lot of experience in their team, although they do have a couple of players who are regulars, including their top scorer, Barriella, in the side. So there's a sprinkling of actual Italian second division quality, which we'll have to watch out for among some young lads. Although we talked about the college system in US sports, 
Italian football is famous for taking its youth football maybe a bit more seriously than a lot of other countries. So they have what they call the Primavera Championship, the Spring Championship, but which is the youth team championship. Italian teams set up usually slightly differently from what British fans are used to. They don't tend to have reserve leagues. They tend to have youth teams. This can leave players in limbo if they're not good enough to quite go in the first team. They, they often don't get any football in Italy. But the youth league, historically, has always been taken very seriously. So there could be some interesting prospects in that team. And the other sides are odd when you look at them. Everyone's obviously free to handle them, or have their rosters, their squads, however they wish. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if you know, experience or youth is what is the trump card or a mixture. Certainly, I mean, there's two Premier League teams, Wolves and West Ham. The West Ham side is packed full of genuinely good footballers from the past question is are they any good still the wolf side not so much but they have got some good players so again you know see what the state they're in Borussia Dortmund have got two club legends retired club legends Kevin Grosskreutz and Dede and I don't think I've ever heard of any of the others they all seem to be either youth players who have not played first-team football or just other people. Um, and that, that's, it, it's so hard to judge, isn't it, exactly what it'll be like. I'm assuming Clint Dempsey's team's got his brother in it because if you look on the website and you look at the picture of the guy, he looks a lot like Clint Dempsey. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's going to be great fun. It raises Wrexham's profile and, hey, winner takes all, million pounds. That, you know, that, that might pay for a little, you know, a fourth floodlight. Don't you think? So enjoy it. Have fun. Oh, little little warning though. I'm recording this while the Wolves Vito game is ending. I watched the start of it, and I gotta say the TST stream on YouTube was really poor. And I I checked my connections and everything like that. I looked on YouTube and the comments, everyone else was saying the same thing. Very low frame rate. It looked like very jerky. One person said, "If you go on to Wolves player." It's fine. So I did. And it was fine. <laughs> so Wrexham's games are on Wrexham player. All I can say is that if there's going to be any problems with the picture, I suspect it will be at the host's responsibility. But Wolves player has a similar platform to ours and was okay. So hopefully, don't be put off if you have a look at the YouTube channel out of curiosity and think, oh, this isn't very easy to watch because... I think that hopefully we should have no problem on Wrexham player anyway. Anyway, that's that. Enjoy the tournament. Have a laugh. Put your feet up. And let's see Wrexham win a million dollars. Sounds great, doesn't it? I am the completely unbiased Mark Griffiths from Millionaire Wrexham AFC. <laughs>